Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. This week, we're delighted to be joined by Anna Middleton. Anna is a dental hygienist and therapist working in private practice, whilst concurrently acting as a key opinion leader for multiple companies, as well as being involved in the British Society of Periodontology. I think that just the role of the hygienist and therapist are becoming much more elevated. You may know her as the London Hygienist, which is her popular Instagram handle and brand that she has built since graduating. I want the public to understand our role Mm. and actually actively seek out hygienists and therapists and don't feel that it's just dentists and dentistry. And we can't wait to hear from her and hear us share her experiences. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. So Anna, let's go right back to the beginning, all right? So you started off as a dental nurse in Exeter. Talk us through that sort of early stage of your dental career and then perhaps what made you decide to go on to train to be a hygienist? So I actually did sound engineering and music tech before dentistry and then I decided I was ready for a career change. And someone said one day, why don't you become a dental nurse? And the reason I wanted to do the dental nursing route is because I wanted a job and I guess a vocational role in which I could sort of study and work at the same time. Um, And Exeter is, you know, it's a big city, but it's not easy necessary to land a dental nursing role. So I just printed out my CV and I walked to every single dental practice in Exeter and handed out my CV. And I'd even sourced my own Uh, training sort of evenings with the local college to be able to get the job and I just said I just need a minimum of 16 hours a week this is what I really want to do please give me a job so eventually that paid off and I did get the job as a dental nurse so I actually started as a float nurse at the practice and when I wasn't working with the other dentists and while training you know in my new dental nursing skills I worked with the hygienist and watching her interact with the patients and how the patients responded to her and also the, the skills that she was carrying out made me feel like, actually, that's what I want to do. And truthfully, when I started as a nurse, I had no idea what a hygienist was. So it was interesting how that sort of initial step in then very quickly changed. And then everything I did from that moment as a trainee dental nurse was to then eventually pursue the career as a hygienist. Okay. Um, so thinking back to those kind of early stages, if you were going to describe that early, early part of your dental career in three words, what three words would you use to describe it? As a hygienist or as a nurse? As a nurse initially. Um, exciting, okay. challenging and varied. Okay. And then you went on and you decided to pursue the hygiene qualification. So tell us a little bit about that thought process and that transition and what was that point? I know you mentioned working with the hygienist, but what was that real push that made you go, okay, I'm going to go and do it and go and apply? I think bearing in mind at the time I was 24 and I was really, you know, working towards a sort of lifelong career and I'm someone who enjoys progression. So I like challenges. And once I've completed sort of 
one qualification I'd like to you know continue to apply myself and actually then because I was a float nurse I was working with so many different clinicians that I wanted to be the one bringing the patient in treating the patient and you know I had there was nothing wrong with being a nurse I just wanted to progress up further I wanted the independence I wanted the autonomy and everything I as I said from that moment was to work towards being able to apply to study as a hygienist I was almost like a dog with a bone you know I was obsessed that 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 was it I'd made up my mind and just needed to see it through okay so you've just said that you you like to be challenged (laughs) you like progression so six years after working as a hygienist you then suddenly turn around and say to yourself hey I'm going to retrain to do dental therapy yep (laughs) so talk us through that element of things because that certainly must have been a challenge to do yet another qualification and and take that further so as I said when I started my dental journey I didn't know what a hygienist was I actually didn't know what a therapist was so when I did apply for uni I was offered the opportunity to study as a therapist and I chose not to I thought it doesn't sound like a role for me that I would enjoy I'm not entirely sure how I would apply it and if I'm honest I wanted to get in and out as quickly as I could to then start working professionally and then through starting the business and you know working very heavily with direct access patients and I guess with the sort of years of just general dental knowledge and experience I'd gained I realized that I was giving work away and perhaps not able to fully help my patients as best as I could if I had those extra skill set. And then there was a little bit of a sort of crossroads where I'd come to a point where I felt I'd plateaued with leaving university, you know, five years in as a hygienist, the business growing. And it was as if I was ready for that next sort of five year cycle. And I had two choices at the time, either take a job in Dubai and run away from everything here. <laughs> or one, after speaking to one of my mentors, actually said, have you thought about studying again? And I thought actually studying is probably a better use of my time and, and money and progression. Um, and so I, I did, I started. And then obviously we were hit with the pandemic very quickly. I was three months in to studying as a therapist. But actually everything worked out the way it was supposed to. And from the moment I've qualified, I have been applying those new skills and applying that scope of practice and helping improve access to dental healthcare services, which was always part of the core of, you know, London Hygienist. So you've had lots of different steps in your career up until this point, and you've made those decisions to pursue, you know, those extra qualifications. And I think you're now involved in the British Society of Periodontology Early Careers Group, which kind of links into that and I guess is helping other people that are thinking about their careers. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that role involves and and what you do within that? So it's a a role that is there to help support anyone at any stage of their career, really. But obviously the the giveaway is in the title, Early Careers. Um, I think often, particularly for, you know, hygienists, when we leave and enter what I call the real world, you still need that help. You still need that mentorship. You just need that encouragement and support there. So it's really important that anyone who's embarking into their professional career has a support network that they can turn to and who better than the British Society of Periodontology, 
because we're working with all dental healthcare professionals together through you know mentorship schemes and programs but also webinars and events and this helps to bring together the community and offer that continued support afterwards so you've been nominated for quite a lot of awards particularly um, the top 50 most influential people in dentistry and you've had that for several years running so what does that feel like to be nominated for such an award I think a lot of these things I never set out as goals to be achieving they happen to just be byproducts of the work that I've done and it is extremely you know nice to be recognized within the industry and the profession um, often when an individual or organizational company, they have different ideas and they do things differently, it can be met with a very mixed response. And I know very much that when I started, a lot of people perhaps didn't quite understand the vision or where I was going or what I was doing with everything, but I believed in it. And then the sort of the results have spoken for themselves. And to be, I guess as well, recognized as a hygienist in a you know a, a top 50 list that's dominated by professionals that have been in the industry for years of all different expertise and specialities really means that there's a shift coming and I think that's really exciting. And what and do you important. think that shift is? <laughs> You've led yourself into that one haven't you? I think that just the role of the hygienists and therapists are becoming much more elevated to be on a par with the rest of the dental industry. And I'm sure industry. you would say that nothing more than we all deserve. <laughs> exactly. And for many, many years as well. Yes. You know, there's people now, and it's not just, it's the public that I, I want to understand. I want the public to understand our role and actually actively seek out hygienists and therapists and don't feel that it's just dentists and dentistry and that we actually play a very vital role. And also for practices that have hygienists and therapists to be utilizing us to our full scope of practice. Definitely, I think you're an example of that, talking about not even knowing what hygiene and therapist was before you <laughs> yeah. started out. So yeah, definitely. And I think all the guests that we've had on the podcast are all trying to do that same thing. And I think you mentioned about your vision going forward. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about your your vision uh, for the future. Yeah. So when I started my business, it was to change the way that oral healthcare was delivered to the public and improve access to dental services. I quickly realized and from my own experiences that the fear of pain and lack of control are two massive barriers in dentistry. So by trying to apply a different approach and one that perhaps focused more on emotional intelligence and treating patients as individuals and you know really honing in on their needs was really important for me. I think off the back now of everything that's sort of happened in the last couple of years and how much access to dental services suffered and how many people are still struggling, the next progression is obviously to proceed with opening clinic a clinic to start and then i would like to see that grow into multiple clinics of direct access care for patients because while we may not be able to do all the things that a patient may need we are able to carry out preventative work as well as 
triage and give patients advice to what they would then need to do next. So this is sort of a slightly random question, but I mean, I think you'll appreciate because I think you're somebody who's right out there for the patients. So if you had a billboard in the middle of Piccadilly Circus and you could write any dental message on it, what do you think you'd write on it? Oh, that is a very good question. (laughs) I think it would be to really, to, to say book an appointment because what patients often and the public don't realize is we're still sort of deemed as the person that cleans teeth, for example. And what's actually really important is that, you know, they're getting so much more when they come to their appointments. You know, the the oral health screenings, the cancer screenings, the oral hygiene instructions, the treatment of any active disease that may be there along with the prevention. So what I always say is that is prevention is better than intervention. So something along the lines of that. Yeah. So you're obviously well known for your London hygienist Instagram profile and your social media presence generally. So I think it would be a disservice not to talk about that. So for those of us that maybe don't have a social media presence or don't use social media, can you talk a little bit about how you think that maybe that's helped your career and how that might help other people's career uh, explore in that area a little bit more? It's interesting because at the time when I started London Hygienist, all I did was Google London Hygienist and nothing came up. So I bought the .com and the .co.uk and then I swiped up all the social media handles, but then essentially did nothing with them as I was still a student. And I guess it's that tipping point that at the time, various new um, profiles were emerging and Instagram happened to be one of them. And it was quite fitting because it was a visual platform that gave me the opportunity to demonstrate various, I guess, messages through a visual means and was one of the first few sort of healthcare professionals utilizing it from that perspective, Mm -hmm. because people are, you know, they, they have been and they are now turning to digital as their resource for education, their primary one. Um, And that's continued to grow. And actually we've seen many others sort of follow suit. Um, And I think it just snowboarded. I, I never really set out to sort of grow anything from a sort of ego perspective with social media. The most important thing was I needed patience as well at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. You know, if I needed bums in seats <laughs> and using social media with a call to action helped drive that. So, you know, for example, using a picture of bleeding gums or inflamed gums and then saying, do your gums look like this? Wouldn't, you know, that sort of is a very emotive message to a patient who then maybe think, actually, that is me, what is going on? And then, you know, utilizing the sort of before and afters and myth busting as well, because there's so much information out there that can be quite often misleading and confusing to -hmm. the public. So as a healthcare professional, being able to say, actually, this isn't right, this doesn't work. You know, I've been very passionate about educating around teeth whitening and yep. how to do that safely. Just like your own mini billboard, but yeah. you can update regularly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so how do you think other people can embrace that? I know you've talked about kind of getting bums on seats, educating patients. Do you 
feel like if we should be embracing that as a profession. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's digital marketing. So whatever your business is, there will be a digital marketing element. And that's something that, you, you know, people will need to think about if they want to sort of progress and grow. You know, word of mouth is still probably one of my, my number one means of referral. Yeah. However, we live in a digital age. So whether that be through social media or, you know, through search engines and, you know, even your own website, digital marketing does form a, a valuable part. What is important though with any sort of marketing is that you have a plan because it needs to be quite clear and, you know, to not plan is to plan yeah. to fail. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have clear objectives. So obviously mine was, I want a patient to book with me. So therefore my marketing strategy was to create something that had a call to action. So I think anyone who's thinking about what can I do, they just need to bear that in mind that there has to be a sort of step-by-step -step process to get the result that you want and set that intention, but also very much be clear and established as to who you are and what you are offering and what your services are. So then that message remains clear. I'm very much, it does what it says on the tin sort of thing. And I try not to, you know, muddy it with any other skills or offerings. It's very straightforward. So you're quite involved in dental industry for lots of different um, companies. Do you think there's anything in the dental industry we should either start doing or stop doing? It's interesting because our advancements in tech and medicine are growing at a rapid rate and things are changing very quickly. And it is difficult to stay ahead of the curve sometime. I think what's interesting is being in a position to work with companies to gain, help them gain a little bit more insight into actually how better to maybe approach um, whatever it be their products or their marketing or their communication, particularly with the public. And that's something I feel quite passionately about. And again, not to down on dentists, but dentists have always been the sort of go-to for anything within the industry. And I actually feel that quite often the hygienists and therapists could be better placed with some of those discussions. And it's not so much about, actually it is about starting to do things differently because let's put it this way, with all this advancement in tech and understanding and, and our, our movement in medicine, we're still battling dental diseases at an astonishingly high rate. And the saying is, you know, madness is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different outcome. So being able to perhaps position new ideas or strategies and work with people together, I hope that by the time I leave, you know, dentistry in many moons, <laughs> that we have started to shift towards some some improvements and some changes and some decline in dental diseases and improving not only patients' oral health, but overall health and well-being. So in pushing for that shift, what should we be doing differently? Or uh, <laughs> what should we start or stop doing to move forward and, and get away from, from the point that we're at now where, like you say, there is a huge amount of dental disease and there's a huge amount of change that needs to happen in terms of promoting dental care professionals. So what do we need to start or stop doing as a profession do you think to to do that it is difficult because the problem is there's leaks everywhere so i can't give just one solution yeah. however one thing that can 
be done and will at least be a start is to utilize therapist scope of practice within the NHS and a reform of that to help improve access but also just lower some of that workload and pressure that's being put on the dentists to carry out everything would be a step in the right direction and a start yeah. to perhaps firefighting some of what's going on because people are now accessing therapist scopes of practice privately, but that's not an option for everyone. Yeah. And to limit the scope of a therapist in an NHS practice just because they can't open a course of treatment is ludicrous. I, I just think it's lovely hearing you be so passionate about trying to provide dental care to everybody. You know, we're talking to you in London and you're based in London. This is th These stories are very different all over the country, aren't they? So yeah. we're going to be in for a, a long haul, but I think we're, we're all up there. How are you going to describe your career now? I mean, we've we've sort of fast forwarded not not decades, but we we've we've fast forwarded <laughs> ten years nearly, yeah. Um, so, how would you describe things um, now, just by using three words? Ambitious, excited, and happy. In that particular order, or um, anyone's um, in a different order? I mean. On this day, yeah, <laughs> those are the three words. Um, let's be honest though, all jobs and roles come with ups and downs and I'm by no means someone who escapes that. I have my moments, I work in high pressured situations, I work yes. back to back. Quite often, you know, I work through my lunch and it's those days that I think, what am I doing? However, establishing a good work-life balance, I think is really important burnout in our industry is real. And I would say after returning to work from the three months off in the pandemic, I think I had burnout three times in sort of six months. I was doing eight to eight, trying to clear the backlog of patients. Um, so I've been very mindful to make sure that while I look after patients and I'm so passionate about their health, I need to make sure I look after my own health as well. And I think it is important. Um, particularly in the sense that I have worked on my own before and felt very lonely and isolated. Mm -hmm. And again, something that I hope as an industry, we can help to standardize practice for hygienists and therapists to make sure that they are supported. I think I really resonate with your comment about the fact that hygienists can be a bit lonely sometimes in their practices. And I'm sure some of our listeners will probably um, think that too, because actually, you know, we, we tend to be the middle person in the practice, aren't we? We're not the dental nurses, we're not the receptionists, we're not the dentists, we're the, that middle person who perhaps only goes to a practice one or two days a week. So I think you're right, to have that support network is essential. I think when all members of the team are supported, it oozes out at the team and everyone else feels it and the nurses need to be supported, hygienists, therapists, from the yeah. bottom to the top and vice versa. It is important because actually, when we're all supported and we're all happy and we all have systems in place, the workflow and the output of the work is of a very high quality. And actually, you look forward to going to work and not dreading it. And it's important and it's not impossible for 
places to achieve that. It just has to come from good open conversations, coming up with some ideas. Communication is really key in these instances. And and it, it just flows from yeah. there. Happy team, happy patients. Exactly. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, agreed. So uh, one of your words there was ambitious. And I know you alluded to a few things earlier, but in terms of looking forward now, what's the future for, for you? What do you envisage um, the future looking like for yourself and the London Hygienist brand, I guess? So this year I said I'm going to do two things. The first six months were dedicated to, essentially I want to give back to hygienists and therapists and I'm working on a little one day course. Mm. It's not clinical. It's all about exactly what I've been talking about, you know, sort of business, marketing, branding. I want to build a sort of network and a community, give people the opportunity to thrive and in a sense work towards being a micro organization within an organization. And then the second part of the year will be spent working on the business plan to then push forward with setting up a clinic. And I said, if I just do those two things this year, then that's fine. <laughs> uh, aside from doing all of your yeah. other work that you do, that, that sounds like quite a busy year. I need something. If I don't have something to work on, I think I'm one of those people that have restless energy and it's all very well having projects and, and work in place with others. But when it's not your own and you don't have something pushing and driving you, then you can lose a little bit of steam and I'm awful for procrastinating. <laughs> so having things with a deadline in place, I do you know, work better under pressure, very much a, a due tomorrow done today. <laughs> At school. <laughs> so, I mean, this is quite interesting hearing you talk about your vision and ideas for the coming year. But imagine a colleague of yours, a friend of yours coming to talk to you who feels in a little bit of a career rut. Mm. What sort of things would you say to them? As someone who has experienced those career crises um, throughout my adult life, I would ask them to think about what is, you know, sort of make a list of what is going wrong and what is going right. Are the things that are going wrong changeable, adaptable? Is there something that can be done? And actually I have no qualms in saying, if the shoe doesn't fit, take it off. You know, find something else. It may take time. You may need to create an exit plan. It may take a week, it may take a year, but actually, I've got myself out of situations that I didn't want to be in anymore. And I've also progressed in education and studies, you know, far beyond leaving school. Yeah. So the possibilities are endless. Just got to know what you want and laser, laser precision work towards that. So what's next in terms of qualifications? So you've been a nurse, a hygienist, a therapist. Um, where's next? I just want to say I won't be doing any more degrees <laughs> not yeah, doing, be, will, care, be not careful doing my masters or never PhD. say never say never I think, no. um, yeah, yeah when, when you're doing dentistry that's the next question I, someone did say that to me the other day I said no I do, I do know a, a hygienist who has retrained as a dentist um which is really exciting and ambitious particularly I really enjoy being surrounded by um women you know who really do push and thrive and sort of 
smash those glass ceilings. I think it's been a very male dominated industry. And while I have many male mentors and supporters and teachers, it's it's really nice to just see that shift as well. And how, as I said before, we're coming up to be on a par with each other. It doesn't matter, you know, your qualification or your sex that we're working together more as a team. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today, Anna. It's been a real treat. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been great. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes.